Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. We're interested in what it takes to keep everything going and how to get the job done. This podcast is about working, family, research, and policy. We consider the research, talk to experts, and share our takes on what we're all learning about breadwinning. Each week, I'm joined by Jennifer Owens. She writes about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And I'm joined by Raquel Ellison. She is an executive coach and management consultant who works with companies big and small to design workplace policies that work for all employees. So I'm mad. Yeah. I'm all about the mad. All I'm just going to all about the mad, the rage, the anger. Yeah. I'm all about the mad. All I'm just going to all about the mad, the rage, the anger. So, yeah, I cast your memory back there, son. There was an episode, number 11, where we talked about an essay by Helen Lewis that said, what was it? It was like, the coronavirus is a disaster for feminism. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's back, our spirit animal, one of our many spirit animals. I know we do have many. We have many. And she's one of them. And she has an essay in The Atlantic right around now saying, the pandemic has given women a new kind of rage. And I thought... That sounds perfect for us to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) And let's see, they said, let's see, there is all the raw statistics are one thing, but what strikes you when talking with parents is their sheer exhaustion, often laced with a sense of injustice. Susanna Hares, a senior policy fellow for the Center for Global Development, is a single mother of a two-year-old. Her day job involves studying the gendered effects of COVID-19, so it feels strangely fitting that her son's nursery class has been sent home to self-isolate three times in the past year for more than a week each time with no notice. I've had to pull out a panel, she told me. I felt like it's impacted my career. Yeah, it probably has. I mean, my God, it's like, what was the number? The 850,000 women that stepped out of the workforce just in one month? Yeah, I think we're mad. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, like silent rage, mad. Silent rage, not so silent rage. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is that she talks about it, that the past year has forced many women to confront the inequality in their own life. And every kid sitting on a lap at a Zoom meeting or bursting in to show off a unicorn, because that happened on the BBC, and that little girl is totally adorable. Oh, I didn't see it. It's a companion to the guy three years ago whose yes. like wife was trying to pull the kids in. Right. So this one is a mom with a little girl. She has a little unicorn picture that she's behind the mom while the mom's talking about policy to the BBC. And the daughter is trying to figure out, should it go on the top shelf? Should it go <laughs> on the bottom shelf? And at one point, the BBC interviewer says, um, by the way, I think it looks nicer on the bottom shelf. Oh. <laughs> and you can see the mom kind of like looking over her shoulder like, kind of side-eyeing just to make sure the daughter's not like, you know, destroying something as she puts the unicorn picture up. So yeah, they think that this forces the knowledge that this stuff is happening on the rest of us, that the whole image of a swan, you know, gliding while we furiously paddle underneath to try to look like we've got it all under control. We just can't. You say that all the time. I mean, just that this is all in people's faces in a way that, that life is now part of work. Yep. You know, we're at this place where one of the things that I read that really gets me up, there's so much about this that gets me angry, 
I'm angry and I can't take it anymore. What's that from again? Excuse me? You don't remember that? I'm angry and I can't take it anymore. Anyway. Yes, that's from Network. Right. I'm mad as hell mad and I'm not going to and I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, and then they quote Gloria Steinem in in this essay and she says the truth will set you free, but first it, it will, will piss you, you off. off. Yeah. <laughs> yep, it does. I mean, you know, we as parents, you know, it's this big becoming a working parent in some ways and it says it in the article like is the pinnacle of female achievement, right? Like you've had yeah, these yes. children and, but we have absolutely no infrastructure to support us right now. We have nothing, you know, we, we are in this position of achievement, so to speak. And there's absolutely almost no support No, that we don't have, we don't have federally mandated parental leave. We, you know, it's great that the Biden administration has the Gender Policy Council that's looking at some of this stuff. But like in the meantime, we're just trying to, you know, to keep our heads above water or to keep paddling like the swans that we are. Yeah. And it's and we are swans. We are such swans <laughs> gliding across. Well, and then she makes the point in it that, you know, we've meanwhile while we're still like school reopenings have seemed like such a low political priority that it's a particular insult for many American parents. And, you know, like, yes, small business, super important, right? Super important. Schools, I would hazard to say even more important. I know, right? I'm going out on a limb before bars. I would like to see the school systems figured out. Yeah. And the teachers taking care of and the administrators and the staffers and all of that, I would like to put a lot of focus on that infrastructure and yeah. get that handled. So there you go, Gender Policy Council. I've given you item one. <laughs> <laughs> so true. I mean, I think that one of the things in the article she's quoting, who's she quoting? She's quoting Lewis. Yeah saying the pandemic will have a long tail in which anger can turn to action. But, you know, we're so angry right now and we have so little bandwidth to act yes. on it. What is that anger going to look like long term? How are we going to turn it? Into- I could, I completely like, empathize with what she's saying, though. right? It's completely true. When I originally took over Working Mother, I was like, well, we're like the largest cohort in the freaking nation. You know, okay. we're everywhere. And it just, we're too freaking busy. Can't you know, we're anything. in it. We're in it. And it can't, I don't know. It's can't so it's, yeah. When you're elbow deep in diapers or dinner needs to be on the table, it's really freakishly hard to do political yeah. action, you know? So yeah, the question that I have is how are we going to, what it makes some hay? What is rage gonna, you know, what, make some hay. So we're mad <laughs> make- and we can't take it anymore. And we're there and we see it. But right. what does that mean, right? What do we do with that rage that's going to be productive? And, you know, is there another march to be had? Is there another, you know, what do we do with this anger? And I, I think that's a really big question for me. Yeah. I mean, like, really, do you have any thoughts? Because I tell you, it was always very hard and understandably so to get the readers of Working Mothers to like, to sign petitions. And oh, I always yeah. thought, you know why? Right. Because we're too freakishly busy. 
And so I, you know, it was my job to go and do things and give voice to my readers. And I was very happy to do it. But it really is a silent majority right. because we don't have enough time to yell right. all the time. We are tired. We're and tired. You know, what's interesting is there's, forget the numbers, we'll get them, we'll post them. But, you know, the number of millennial moms who are in the workforce and who are trying to, you know, when you've got a tiny baby or a small child and you're trying to figure out just how to manage on a day-to-day, you're not thinking about yeah. what what does this mean systemically? A lot of the work that I've done with working moms has been to help them, right. and we've talked about this before, to help them realize that this is not a choice that they're making that's gotten them, you know, they've decided to become a parent, which is a celebrated, you know, it's a privilege. We do. We need, yeah. we do. We need and the necessary. next generation. We need it. We need and the next generation. the system is not set up to support them and it's not on them, right? So, but it's something that, you know, particularly when kids no. are little or until later, until the kids are a little bit older, we don't necessarily have time to think about, hey, you know, how could we change this system? Right. And that it is systemic, because I think you're completely right. Yeah. You start thinking that maybe I'm doing this wrong. You know, like maybe there's there's some other variation, you know, some other, in the multiverse, as someone in a family of Marvel readers, that the multiverse, there's an earth where there's paid leave right. and equal pay and affordable quality childcare. Like, let's all go to that earth. <laughs> well, and the thing that Helen Lewis writes, she wrote in the first one, in the, you know, it's a disaster for feminism. Said researchers who had studied previous epidemics predicted that school closures would force parents out of the labor market, that the burden of homeschooling would fall harder on mothers, that women are more likely to be single parents, and when they're in straight couples, they're more likely to be the lower earners. And most couples who were forced to protect one partner's job would pick the man's, researchers predicted, either for sensible economic reasons or for unconscious cultural ones. It would send many families back to the 50s with a revival of the breadwinner homemaker divide. And I yeah. read all that because yeah. she was right. She was right. Oh, my I God. Mean, you know, I was thinking about this when you suggested this topic, just that, you know, I had hopes. I had high hopes that we were going to shift things around, maybe. Right. That we yeah. were going to be able to see a shift in gender roles. And it's interesting. I'm going to call out my brother and his wife again. Like they have, I think you know, their daughter, they have a 15 month old, you know, he would not without the pandemic have been able to be home as much as he has been. Right. And so that's a huge gift for them. Right. They had like a tiny baby and then this happened and they've been able to be home together and then to share some of those responsibilities. But for the most part, the trend has not been building cooperation in the house there. Right. Well, and there's certainly positives that are coming out of this. I mean, definitely, even though remote work was never meant to be, we're all home all the time, no matter if you want it or not. That wasn't the point. But you can definitely see the power of not having to rush to get to uh, child pickup time. Because, oh, my Lord, if we all remember back to those days, it you know, the minute the clock starts ticking, we're <laughs> it's like of like 10 bucks a minute if you're past the whatever their pickup deadline is. Oh my goodness. Never has a mother run or a father run so fast 
when they're running late for pickup. I've never been so stressed in my entire life than the after work pickup time and the train is broken down. It's it's terrible. (laughs) So at least we don't have that. So, I mean, why am I so mad then? I guess it's, you know, it's all on me. It's my mistake. Sorry about that. No, I mean, you know, (laughs) it's interesting to me when we come back, you know, we have come to this level of acceptance, you know, an expectation that life and work are going to intersect and overlap and there's going to be work-life interference and work-life integration. And we're going to see, you know, we're going to see how it impacts us on multiple levels. But I hope that when companies start putting, you know, sending folks back to work, that there's some consideration of like, yeah, they've got to be out of there by 4.50 to be able to get the 5.30 daycare pickup and stop with the like, right? no, I'm going to yeah. schedule a meeting, you know, at 5.30 just so, you know, you've got to scramble to make backup plans. Right. I think we could. Yeah. Can we be done with that? I mean, come on. Like of all things, like if I can't have paid leave and I can't have, you know, equal pay, can I at least not have the weird power play meeting yeah. time setting yeah. thing? No, I'll I mean, take I that. think, I I'll think that as a win. <laughs> you know, I think that's got to shift. It's just got to. Otherwise, I'm going to get real mad. <laughs> it's, because it's just, it doesn't, <laughs> we've seen it. We've all been exposed to this reality where we go behind the curtain. People aren't sneaking out. And, you know, I remember folks telling me when, when I was a new mom and I was coaching new moms, when they were telling me like they would leave a coat at their desk just to look like they were still there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What is that? And I mean, I, and I totally did the thing even at working mother of lying, you know, like, oh, well, I've got, you know, so when it was like a school performance, you know, a very important meeting I've got to get to when I felt like I'd had to leave because, you know, all those school performances always are at the same time. You know, it's one after another after another because it's at the end of the marking period or it's the end of the year. And, you know, God forbid you have a child that's in a transition year, like fifth grade or eighth grade. Your entire June in NYC is going to be eight million publishing parties, classroom parties, graduation parties, you know. Yeah. And yes, and yes, I'm full of rage about that. So much to be full of rage. Yeah. I'm full of rage. I mean, I think. I mean, we've got to figure out a way to have these conversations more openly now that we're back. I mean, that's the big, now that we're going back or we're creating a new normal or a current normal or however we want to phrase it. We have to think about, okay, what are the behaviors? What are the norms that we want to see as working parents that we want to see as acceptable, right? So it might not be, we can't get paid leave on our own. You know, we can't get paid leave on our own. We just need paid leave. And we need, we need after school programs and we need right childcare. We need daycare centers. But I mean, I think we also, there are things that we can individually request. Like, for example, I'm going to leave at 3.30 and go pick up my kid from school until, you know, after school is back, back in gear. And right. I'm going to, you know, step out to take calls, you know, or t- take calls, like put those on my schedule sometimes because I've got these responsibilities. I'm going to not, my rage is going to lead me to stop pretending that I don't have them. Yeah. And then hopefully our non-rage-filled brain will also realize that this is 
systemic. I mean, if there's anything that this experience has shown, it's that it's not you. No, it's not. It's systemic. But I do think that we need to find a way. Part of the rage is getting involved and recognizing, yes, there is a movement that we need to join to talk about paid leave and why it's important. I mean, there, you know, that is, is a fundamental, fundamental building block of how we're going to be supported as parents in this country. And we also have to see, given that we've sort of exposed our family life in a way, I mean, exposed is probably the wrong word. You know, we've brought more of our life into work than we ever have. And I think it's kind of an opportunity to advocate for this is what I need to be able to make this work on a personal level, right? I need to be able to leave at this time. I need, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of, right. a lot of what's happening in businesses is folks are deciding like, what's the model for flexibility and part of what it requires, you know, what's the model and how are folks going to sort that out with their team, with their manager, with their department. And I think part of it is at this moment in time, when we're so mad, also to think about what are the parameters that we need in order to make this work a little better, right? Let's we not revert to where we were before this pandemic. Right. How do we make sure that our lives are, right? you know, not that they're center stage, but that they're acknowledged, right? And that we can develop routines and set expectations that are going to allow us to be the kind of parents we want to be. That doesn't mean you know, that we're solving all the systemic issues or that we're going to, you know, that we're going to address some of the real basic kind of crises that parents of our generation are facing. But it does mean that we're going to take a stand and advocate for our own needs based on the knowledge that we've been doing this for a year. We've been balancing a ton of things for a year. You know, we can ask for what we need. Right. And we can also think of ourselves, because I think women tend to do this, we're always better advocating for others than for ourselves. And so mm-hmm. we can advocate for others in our own workplaces, our own schools, our communities, and our nation. You know, that if we think of this as if it is systemic, and I know we're super busy and the advocacy side is hard, but if the language that we use refers to it as systemic, not just mm-hmm. for us, but for our neighbor, and other people that are, you know, people who are on the front line, people who lost jobs because of the way this pandemic has hit retail and hospitality. I just think sometimes if we think of how us standing up helps others, it always is, you know, that whole thing of like, you won't ask for yourself, but you'll totally like offer it to, you know, you'll say, well, here's what you need to do, <laughs> you know. And we just acknowledge it. The consciousness of the fact that this is systemic is huge. We can't can't look away. I think it's both and. I think it's seeing that it's systemic. I think it's not letting that out of our sight. Continuing to stay mad, continuing to look for ways for us to move the needle in this conversation. Absolutely. And I do think there's a piece of us. It's not on us. It's not our fault that we're in this situation, but it is incumbent on us to advocate for what we need. And, you know, because we've got this proof, we've got these proof points that like, we've been carrying this load for a year. And it is possible to be, you know, the whole myth of the ideal worker, the person who works all the time and who has someone covering their life at home, like it is a myth. And we've seen that over the past year. 
And it's time to dispel that. And it's time to say, yes, this is what I need in order to make this work because you've seen that I can work under the worst of circumstances. Absolute worst of circumstances. Yes. <laughs> My goodness, you are so right. So, yes. So, hopefully, things will be better. We'll be a Agreed. bit happier, but let's retain a kernel of our anger. You know, let's acknowledge that it's there because we're still going to be pooped and tired from doing all yep. that's going to continue to need to be done yes. even after this ends. Okay. Just so clean that with the homeschooling. Enough with the homeschooling. Oh my God. Well, I am not angry that we spent our time together. How about that? Nice segue. You'd like that? <laughs> Thank you for joining us on The Breadwinners. You will find links to what we discussed in the episode description. Email us anytime at thebreadwinnerspod at gmail.com or visit us at thebreadwinnerspodcast.com. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review it. It really helps us grow. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.